0: Good morning, Faithful Listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained Podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Deuteronomy. Welcome to the Bible Explained Podcast, friends and faithful listeners. Thank you for tuning in on this lovely Friday morning. I hope you all have had a fantastic week so far and have an even more fantastic weekend, starting tomorrow. But yeah, yesterday was my birthday. I had a nice day. I kinda just relaxed and, uh, did nothing. I took a day off for myself, which was awesome. I always like my birthday when it's on a weekday, because I feel like I have an excuse to, like, take a day off. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) But anyway, tell me what you guys did this week, other than work. Tell me something fun that's going on in your lives right now. Tell me something that you did that was enjoyable or something you're going to do that's enjoyable or just something new and exciting that is going on in your lives. I I love to hear from all of you. And I do appreciate, by the way, I am very thankful for the birthday messages I got. So thank you to everybody who sent me a birthday message. But let's read Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 6 through 12 today. This is like a, a whole smorgasbord of various laws we're going to talk about today. So this will be interesting to go through these and talk about them. So grab your Bible out of the version you prefer. I'm going to be reading, as I always do, out of the World English Bible. But also make sure to go grab that cup of coffee or that cup of tea. And let's sit back and relax and enjoy God's Word together this morning. If you come across a bird's nest on the way, in any tree or on the ground, with young ones or eggs, and the hen sitting on the young or on the eggs, you shall not take the hen with the young. You shall surely let the hen go, but the young you may take for yourself that it might be well with you, and that you may prolong your days. When you build a new house, then you shall make a railing around your roof, so that you don't bring blood on your house if anyone falls from there. You shall not sow your vineyard with two kinds of seed, lest all the fruit be defiled, the seed which you have sown, and the increase of the vineyard. You shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together. You shall not wear clothes of wool and linen woven together. You shall make yourself fringes on the four corners of your cloak with which you cover yourself. So verses six through eight can definitely be summed up in one point, which is to. Regard the sanctity of life, no matter how small that life is. So, what verses six and seven are talking about here is a mother hen, or rather a mother bird, depending on what version of the Bible you read. The World English Bible says hen, other versions just say like the mother bird, basically. So, what this law is talking about is if somebody is walking along and they are hungry and they need to hunt, when they find A nest of eggs, they are allowed to take the eggs and eat the eggs, but they are not allowed to take the mother bird with the eggs. In fact, they're supposed to let the mom go. However, there was nothing wrong with taking the eggs. So I would guess for people who had to hunt every single day, this law made no sense. Because first and foremost, they were only allowed to eat the eggs of a clean animal, like a clean bird, I mean. So the mother, of course, was going to be a clean bird that they could potentially take back to their family and have a whole meal rather than just the eggs. So people were probably like, why? Why do we have to release the mother when she's a whole meal in and of herself? But I think there's a few reasons why. I think the first reason is that just compassion is important. Even compassion for like the smallest animal. There's actually a verse in scripture that says that god knows every single sparrow in the field like he actually knows them and he also knows there's another verse that says that he knows when a sparrow falls to the ground in other words he knows when one of the smallest birds dies he knows about it and he recognizes that which was showing that you know god cares about everybody he cares about all life so if he knows that a sparrow falls to the ground he certainly knows about you and your problems also so it was a jesus actually said it to help people not to worry about their everyday lives because god cares about people so much but god also knows and cares about the smallest of animals as well i actually have a story about this like god knowing and caring about very very small animals a few years ago when we lived in our old house we had this flash flood and we had this big old pond in the front of the yard. And one year, this during this flash flood, the pond on the one side kind of like deteriorated away and the water from the pond started flowing into our neighbor's yard. But you couldn't really see it very well because like it was it was consistently flowing, but it was not like a ton of water was like pouring out. So you couldn't really tell that it was like a a flood from the pond going into our neighbor's yard. But anyway, my husband and I, we got home from church on a Sunday. And it was like right after that flash flood happened. And my husband's like, hey, Jen, I got to go in the house and do something real quick. Can you do me a favor? You know, take your phone over to the pond and take some pictures for me to see what the damage was so that we can call somebody out to fix the pond problem. And I was like, OK. So I went and took my phone and I, I put my my little boots on and i went outside and uh took some pictures of the damage of the pond and all of a sudden i heard this like flapping noise and i looked down and there's this big old fat tadpole flopping in like the tiniest little puddle and i was like oh no that's sad like somehow he got washed out and so i stooped down to look i wasn't going to touch it with my bare hands <laughs> I was compassionate, but not that compassionate, but anyway, I looked down and I, I stooped down and I'm like I need to figure out how to get this tadpole back into the water without touching it and I noticed that there was more tadpoles just all over the place, but then I Saw our little minnows our little minnows had also gotten washed away into these little puddles And it was already beginning to dry out. The Sun was out And uh, the flood was over with and it had been, I think, already a day or two since the since the pond had like, you know, flown out. And I just saw all these minnows and all these little tadpoles all over the place. And so I ran into the house and I'm like, Garrett, you need to come outside, grab a bucket full of water. Let's go. We got to we got to save these little fish. And so my husband, who, by the way, he is one of the most compassionate men I have ever met towards animals. Like he loves little animals. He absolutely loves them. And so he takes this very seriously and he put on his boots. We went outside and for about three hours, we were stooped down in the dirt in our clogs and we were we put our gloves on and we were just dumping fish like back into the pond. We had to have saved like close to 300 tadpoles and fish from that flash flood. And the next day we went out and we did it again and we saved probably, I don't know, maybe 50 more little minnows that we had missed. And so we were like, wow, if I had never gone outside to take those pictures, I never would have seen those minnows. I never would have seen those tadpoles and hundreds of little fish would have died. And I actually ended up writing about this because this was so significant to me. It, it just showed me how much God cares so much about even the tiniest little minnow, which by the way, minnows are not very smart, like they have very little brain power, but they are still creation that God cares about. But what's also so fascinating about that story is the fact that on any other ordinary day, I never would have went out to the pond I never would have gone out there, I never would have walked around it, I never would have been analyzing it, I never would have been taking pictures, and I wouldn't have noticed those little fish and those little minnows, ever. But because my husband asked me to go out at that specific time, and because it was a Sunday and it was super you know, quiet outside, I was able to hear that little tadpole fighting for its life in that puddle. And it's just like, wow, like I felt honestly that God had prompted me to go outside to save those little creatures lives. Like I really did feel that way because I know that God cares that much about little creatures. And because he cares so much about little creatures, he calls his people to care about little creatures. So it was very, very compassionate for somebody to let the mother go because she was losing her eggs. She was losing her young. She was already super upset to begin with, this bird. So letting her go was a act of mercy. Even though the people at this time period, they had to hunt. They had to eat. They were allowed to take the eggs. They were allowed to take the young, but they just weren't allowed to take the mother. They had to let the mother go so that she could, in her own way, I suppose, mourn. And also so that she could continue fulfilling her purpose, which was to lay more eggs, to have more young, to populate the earth with birds. And so it was just a compassion that God calls his people to have, even on a bird. Not only that, we know that uh, psychopaths often start out by being cruel to animals. And God didn't want cruelty of animals to be commonplace. You can see in scripture that God very much does care about animals. There's a uh, verse in Jonah, actually, that talks about how one of the reasons God did not destroy Nineveh at the end of everything was, yes, because of the people, but God was also showing compassion on the animals that were there in Nineveh. And so that was partially why God did not destroy the city of Nineveh. So God does care about animals and he expects us To also have regard for the lives of animals, but not just the lives of animals, people as well. People are important, they are God's image bearers. So we need to treat others with respect, also, respect and regard for their lives. So here's what God says. When you build a new house, make a railing around your roof so that you don't bring blood on your house if anyone falls from there. Roofs back in these days were not like they are nowadays. I have a very, um, (laughs) here in a, here where I live, I have a very, very tilted roof because of the snow. We can't have flat roofs where I'm at. But back in these days, they didn't have to worry so much about snow and their roofs, roofs were flat. And so people would go up there and they would work or they would entertain guests or do whatever up there on the roof. It was like an extra place to hang out. So God says, when you build a house, make sure you build a railing around your roof so that you don't bring blood on your house if anyone falls from there. So have regard for people's lives. Go to the extra length to make sure that your roof is safe because God cares not just about animals, but he cares so deeply for people. He has so much regard for life, and we should also have regard for life. And I'm just going to say it. If God cares so much about life, we also should care about life. And that includes life in the womb, because it is life. It is a baby human being in that womb. And so since God clearly tells us to care and have regard for human life we need to have regard for all human life including babies in the womb but after this in verses 9 and 10 it kind of talks or i'm sorry 9 through 11 actually it kind of talks about this idea of like mixing things that shouldn't be mixed together It says, you shall not sow your vineyard with two kinds of seed, lest all the fruit be defiled, the seed which you have sown and the increase of your vineyard. I have a funny story about this. I think I've told this on the podcast before. When I first started gardening years ago, a few years ago, I I had no clue what I was doing. And I didn't have a lot of soil to work with. I had like one like box that I would put all my seeds in. And because I had put the seeds so close together... They grew into each other and I just had a whole mess going on my first year when I started gardening and it was kind of disastrous actually my one plant totally died because the cucumber (laughs) I had no clue anything about plants by the way the cucumber wrapped itself around my my one plant and I think the plant was the uh, the pepper plant and so my cucumber wrapped itself around my nice tall pepper plant, and it was also growing into my tomatoes. the cu- cucumber was just doing so much damage, which with all its like vininess, and it ended up destroying a few of my a few of my plants and that's because I mixed the seeds together, <laughs> not in the same you know, not in the same hole, but i I put the seeds too close together and ended up you know causing a hole mess of problems that didn't need to happen. And so I think that's kind of what God is, you know, trying to avoid here is his people like, you know, totally destroying their crop because they mix together two different types of seeds that should never be mixed together. And then the same here with the you shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together. I mean, that just to me, that makes no sense because a donkey is such a smaller animal than an ox. And to put them both in the same yoke would be honestly terrible for both of them. Because honestly, the donkey would probably have a ton of weight on its shoulders. The ox would have to do the majority of the work. The donkey would have to do more work. I mean, it would just be... A really bad situation, not to mention kind of cruel, to put these two types of animals together. God says, don't mix an ox and a donkey together when you plow your fields, because that just causes issues that honestly don't need to happen. Then in verse 11, you shall not wear clothes of wool and linen woven together. This one also just makes a lot of sense. Because wool is very, very thick. I was actually just using wool only a a few hours ago. (laughs) i made my husband a hat and uh, i was using wool yarn and it's thick it is thick and hot like when you wear something that's woolen it is thick and hot i wear wool socks almost every single day because they are just thick and hot and they make your feet nice and cozy and sweaty but you're not supposed to mix wool and linen together because i don't know if you guys have linen shirts they're just so airy and light like Like, linen is such a summertime material. It's just so light and feathery. So mixing, like, a winter material with a summer material together just makes literally no sense, and I don't know why anybody would do that. But, I mean, regardless of the logicalness of this, like, not doing this stuff because logically it just doesn't make any sense, it's not, there's no purpose to mixing these things together, I think God is also telling the Israelites They shouldn't be intermixing with the peoples. And what I mean by that, the Israelites worshipped Yahweh God. And the other people of this time period did not worship Yahweh God. They worshipped whatever idol they decided to make up at that time. And so the Israelites worshipping Yahweh and intermixing into the culture of the other people just wasn't going to work. It's two opposite things. A similar verse I can think of is, Do not be unequally yoked. And that's talking about marriage. So in other words, if a Christian young man is going out and uh, trying to find a wife, he needs to go find a Christian wife. Otherwise, if he does not, like say he, you know, marries somebody who's atheist or agnostic, there's going to be so many problems in that relationship due to that. It's just not going to work out in the long run. It's going to be a very, very hard relationship to navigate through, do the difference in religions. It's kind of the same thing where God is telling the Israelite people not to culturally mix in with the other cultures of that time period that don't worship Yahweh God, because it was going to cause nothing but problems. And we see that years after this, the Israelites started adopting other cultures and other gods as well, while also saying that they worshipped Yahweh God, but then they would bring weird things into God's temple. Like, for example, they would bring an Asherah pole into God's temple and worship both Asherah and God. Now, Asherah at this time period was a female goddess who, who was uh, the god of, goddess of sex, I think it was, or fertility, maybe. But she was the wife of Baal who was also a very popular God at this point. But the Israelites adopted that and then decided to worship Asherah as well as Yahweh. And they even put the Asherah pole inside of God's temple, claiming that Asherah was Yahweh's wife. And they would worship them both together. But this doesn't work because God is God. He does not have a wife. So it's mixing truth in with lies. And I mean, man, do we do that nowadays in in our culture. We mix in so many, so many lies with the truth that it just makes everybody so confused in the end. But the truth is God's word. I actually just talked about this. Um, When did I talk about this? Yesterday? <laughs> I talked about recently, like a couple days ago, that God's word needs to define what our truth is. But lastly, to... To finish up here in verse 12, it says, You shall make yourselves fringes on the four corners of your cloak with which you cover yourself. So these fringes, the Jewish men would wear on their cloaks. And it was to remind them of God's laws. When they looked down and saw the fringes on the corners of their cloaks, they would be reminded of God's laws. We know that based upon um, numbers, I think it was. God repeats this, this command in Numbers saying that the reason you wear the fringes is to remember God's words to you. So not only do we need to make God's word our definition of truth, but we also have to remember God's word in whatever way we possibly can. You know, one of the ways you can tell people about the Bible Explained podcast is grabbing one of the new bumper stickers that is in the shop right now. So check those out. I got brand new bumper stickers in the shop. I have one on my car currently. It has held up very well. It's been on my car for a couple weeks. I wanted to test it out first before I give them to you guys. And I've been quite happy with it. I've been very happy with it, actually. It's, It's held up through several car washes and several... Snowy, rainy sleety days that we've had here. So it's been good. So check those out. I'll drop a link to the bumper stickers in the bio this podcast episode. And right now they are in the shop for $6, but not only do you get a bumper sticker, you also get a nice round three inch sticker of the podcast logo with the headphones and everything. But guys, if you would like to support this podcast in a different way, just tell people that the Bible explained podcast exists or write a review. If you would like to on Apple podcasts, well, friends and faithful listeners, don't forget to, uh, email me and tell me what's new in your life, something new and exciting that's going on, but also just have a wonderful weekend. I hope to see you bright and early on Monday morning. Happy listening, happy weekend, and God bless.